It's week five of our Everything Belongs series. It's the last one, and I get to wrap it up. But I want to start with Bert Reynolds in all his glory. I think I have a, I have a picture of him, Sharon. There we go. And his heyday. He starred in a movie called The End. And in this movie, Bert Reynolds decides to take his life by swimming as far as he can until he's completely exhausted and then not having the strength to get back, he thinks he can drown. But as he begins to sink under the water, he changes his mind and he decides not to go through with it. And as he breaks through the surface of the water, he shouts out these words, I want to live, I want to live. He then starts swimming back to shore. But it's a long way off. And as he's swimming, he starts talking to God. He promises to obey all the Ten Commandments. But then he realizes he doesn't actually know what all of them are. So he says to God, well, I'll at least learn the Ten Commandments. Then in his panic, he says to God, if you get me out of this, I'll give you 80% of everything I have. Time passes and now the shore is getting closer. And for the first time, he actually thinks he's going to make it. And he says, Lord, if you help me get to the shore alive, I will give you 10% of everything I have. Finally, he struggles to the place where he sees he's going to make it to land. And he says, well, Lord, let's just forget about what I said. I think I can make it here on my own. That's much like the attitude of the world today about giving. And thinking along those lines says a lot about our attitude toward giving. We've spent the last four weeks of Stewardship Month dealing with the major portions of building this life of Christian stewardship. First was the foundation established in God's ownership and our management of his creation. Then we looked at why we give, and David spoke last week about using our gifts as part of stewardship. This week we get to wrap it all up. Now I have some first-hand experience with this next question I'm gonna ask you. Have you ever seen a house being built? It seems to take no time at all to go from bare ground to a standing structure, doesn't it? Then everything slows down. Have you noticed that the inside takes a lot longer to build than the outside? And it's true for our lives of stewardship as well. Because the inside work deals with our attitudes, our assumptions about life, and our spiritual journey with God. So we're going to be doing some work on the inside. I want you to look at, with me this morning at one of the greatest stewardship lessons Jesus ever taught his disciples. But throughout the remainder of this message, this is the question I want to ask you to think about. There's actually two. So think with your heart and ask yourselves these questions. Do I have a heart of giving? Where am I? 
in my commitment to giving. Many of us think, well, I don't have much, so I can't give. Everyone can give. Giving is not reserved for the wealthy. And your commitment to giving or your lack of commitment to giving says a lot about you and a lot about me. Anyone who does not have a basic commitment to give will never be truly thankful. They're so interconnected. But let's turn to Scripture. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. This is one of my favorite teachings of Jesus. And in this teaching, we see this. God has a claim on your life. He does not just claim a part of you for himself. He claims all of you. He doesn't just want part of you. He wants all of you. In this story, this teaching of the widow's might, people were coming by and tossing the offering in, literally tossing it into the container that was provided. Now these containers had a trumpet-shaped top, a funnel, that they could toss their money into, and the money would go down into the box. And many of the people knew how to toss their money so it would make a lot of noise. Now, these boxes were actually outside the place of worship. These funnels were made of metal, like brass, and so it would ring out, and everyone would hear their gift being given. But Jesus wasn't interested in how loud their giving was. He didn't care that they were making their gifts so public. What he cared about was their heart. And for most of those who were doing it, they were just doing it to be seen. Their heart was in the wrong place. Now we normally comment here about the size of her gift by pointing out that this mite that she gave was two small copper coins that combined were worth only a fraction of a penny. And so we begin to think that all we need to give is a small amount and God will be pleased. But that is not the point here. The point is not how small her gift was. The point is actually how big her gift was. You see, she gave everything she had, all of it. She was saying, Lord, everything I have is yours. Look, here it is. But what can this widow, this woman, teach us about stewardship? The first thing is stewards understand the now. The fact that this woman gave is incredible to me. Understand a little bit about this woman's life. She was a widow. Her husband had died. She had no sons or other family in her life. If she had had family, it would have been their responsibility to take care of this woman. 
If she had sons or brothers-in-law, even she would then have been taken care of. But like Naomi in the Old Testament, this widow had no one on which to rely. So she was reduced to living off the kindness of strangers or gleaning from the fields. Understand that this widow had nothing. Not the nothing that you and I say that we have. She literally had nothing. Jesus said that the two copper coins she put into the treasury represented all that she had to sustain her. Yet she gave. Her giving demonstrates a great principle of stewardship. And that is that stewardship deals with right now. Stewardship is a now issue. It deals with present realities and present resources. What are you doing right now with your life? We all live lives that say, tomorrow I will. When such and such happens, I will. When I retire, I'll give of my time. No, you won't. When I have more money, I will. Still no. When I learn more, I will. If you are not a steward now, then you won't be a steward then. This is about God working in us. God doesn't call us to give from our excess. We can all justify why we never have excess. He calls us to give from our poverty, a faith offering that starts a miracle. Bring me your lunch, bring me your pennies, your minutes, and I will do with them what only I can do, says God. The second lesson, stewards are moved by love. All the others that came that day gave out of their excess, but she gave the very last that she had to live on. She didn't know where her next meal was coming from, but she gave. So the principle for us today, stewardship begins with loving, not giving. Can you imagine with me for a moment this widow, seeing all the gold and silver being tossed into those treasury boxes? Then she looks down at those two copper coins in her hand. Her thought must have been, my copper has no meaning in the context of that gold. But it did. It is my argument that Jesus was standing there for one purpose and one purpose alone. To see this gift of love. We never see him standing in this place before or after. But this day, a wonderful thing is going to happen. A widow with nothing out of a heart of love will give God all that she has. And on this subject, John Maxwell says this. It wasn't utility that moved her. Her coins were worthless. It wasn't obligation. No one cared. It was simple love that moved her. Friends, love gives, lust takes Often in our relationships with God and others, we confuse the two. If love is not the foundation of my relationship with God, I am always going to have a problem. The basis of my stewardship has got to be the fact that I love him with all my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength. Time, talent, worship, gifts, money are given, not just because we have to. 
but because we can't do anything else. Love says, how much can I give? Lust says, how little can I get away with? Stewards see life in terms of eternity. We are consumed with what we can investigate with our senses. It begins as infants discovering our world. What we can see, touch, taste, smell and hear are all important. Those things are what, what is real about life. We live life consumed by these moments that surround us. But God's focus is on eternity. Think about this widow. She drops into the offering the very last penny she has. She can't do that without a focus on eternity. When we focus our lives on today, we become stingy, greedy, hoarding everything, time, talent, and money. We have to because it'll be safe. When we focus on eternity, we understand that there is much more than what we see. Just like that little boy who brought his lunch, his fish and his loaves, the widow could have kept her pennies and no one would have even known she existed. But by giving her pennies, even today, she's teaching people about eternity. Stewards begin to see life as an investment in eternity. We are given these years, these resources, these talents for a purpose. God's purpose in the world around us. Eternity is our goal. And that is one of the reasons I'm so excited and passionate about the ministries of this church. It gives me a chance to be a part of something that will outlast my life. I dream about the people who come to Christ as a result of our ministries after I'm gone. Maybe they'll look back and thank God for those of you who sit here today because we looked not to our own moment in time, but towards a moment yet to come. The fourth lesson, stewards rest in the promise of God. There is a simple trust here that we often miss. The widow gave God all that she had to live on, all that she owned. How was she going to survive? How was she going to eat? What was she going to do when she left the temple? She didn't know, but let me tell you what she did know. She knew God. She knew him and trusted him to provide for her every need. And if we think about Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34, the Sermon on the Mount, I'm sure that this woman was not present when Jesus gave that sermon. But I'm also sure that she understood fully the message that he shared that day. And like the widow of Zarephath, the widow rested in the promise of God that he would provide for her if she walked with him. I don't know what happened to the widow after she left the temple that day. Scripture doesn't tell us. But of one thing I am assured, her needs were provided Every need she had was provided for when she left. Maybe a stranger on the street handed her some money. Maybe someone gave her a meal. Maybe the fields were richer in their gleanings. But I can assure you that God met her needs. Friends, giving is an indicator of how much or how little we trust God. 
As believers, the Bible reminds us that not only is God completely aware of our needs, but, he, but we are also reminded that he will meet those needs, and he does so according to the riches in Christ. And those riches cannot be measured. In Matthew, Jesus talks about money and worry. The two are very closely connected. He says, I take care of the lilies of the field. I clothe them and I will clothe you. Stop worrying about what you will eat or drink. Look at the birds and how I take care of them. The flowers don't worry. The birds don't worry. Neither should you. He says, seek the kingdom first. And then all of these things will be given to you as well. I don't believe that deep down in my heart, I will ever be able to give at a meaningful level. But we can be generous in our giving because we have a God who will provide for us. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but almost everything that the Bible has to say about money is negative, except where it talks about giving it away. And finally, our giving should be sacrificial in nature, just as the widow's was. I've already stated that Jesus is not impressed with those who just give from what's left over. This widow is an example of sacrificial giving. She was willing to give up a few material possessions or even miss a meal in order to give to the Lord. She is, she is a good example of someone who loved the Lord with all her heart, with all of her soul, and with all of her mind. And I believe her love for the Lord and her unwavering faith in Him is what allowed her to give the way that she did. There were six people trapped in a dark, cold cave. They each had a stick of wood. The fire in the middle of the cave was starting to go out. The first woman refused to put her wood in the fire because there was someone she didn't like in the circle. The next man held on to a stick of wood because there was someone who did not belong to his church in the circle. The third man was a poor man and he said, why should I give my stick to warm the rich? The next man was rich and he said, why should I sacrifice my stick to warm the lazy poor? The next man was greedy and said, I will save my stick of wood for tomorrow night to warm myself. That night they all died. They didn't die from the cold in the cave. They died from the cold in their hearts. Like the widow, we are called to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength. Do we do this? Or do we spend more time watching TV than praying or worshiping God? Do we spend more time at McDonald's or the mall or online shopping than we do in the work of the church? Do we use our abilities God has given us to serve only ourselves? Or do we use them to serve Christ by serving others? I close today with a story Heidi Husted shares in her sermon. Her sermon's entitled, The Sermon on the Amount. In 1815, Napoleon was defeated in the Battle of Waterloo, and the hero of that battle was the Duke of Wellington. 
The Duke's most recent biographer claims to have an advantage over all his previous biographers. His advantage was that he had found an old account ledger that showed how the Duke had spent his money. That being said, says the biographer, was a far better clue to what the Duke thought was really important than reading his letters or reading his speeches. And Hardy says, can you imagine that? If someone wrote your biography on the basis of your bank statement or your income tax return, what might it say about you, your loyalties, your focus, and about whom you serve?